0: And we're back with another episode of Fathoms in Enneagram Podcast.
1: <laughs> Period. What is this Star Trek?
0: Just, just for emphasis, you know. Um,
2: <laughs> I like it, but that was very. Uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy? What I'm thinking of? Uh, I thought that's what you were doing. You were just nope. no. <laughs> I thought you did an impression, because it was a very Just good naturally one.
0: naturally good at things, I guess.
2: The guy from oh, Star Trek, um, I'm blanking. Like, the main character from Spock. the old Star Trek.
1: No. Oh.
2: No. Dang oh, it. Not my buggy. generation, sorry. Google Star Trek. This is important.
1: <laughs> Are we already at Google? A minute yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah. James T. Kirk. Anyway, he would put, like, those long... He would, you know like do this kind of thing you know, well today you you we are
0: talking to Seth doing. Abram about <laughs> um I'm one of those like cheesy commercial people we're talking to uh, Seth Abram about uh his Instagram recent Instagram series that he did all of us really loved it he did such a great job um a little round of applause. just a little tiny one um And so we thought we'd just kind of flesh that out a little bit, chat about it, and then you all can go follow him at Integrated Enneagram uh, and check out those posts and share them as much as possible. So, Seth, uh, can you talk to us about this concept and what made you think of it, and how did you put it together?
2: Yes, I can. Um, So here's the thing. Uh, I i read a lot no one is surprised uh, because it's one of the primary ways that i can because one of the primary ways that i can prove my competence (laughs) as an adult (laughs) and um you know it's built it's it actually is a reaction to a place of fear Uh, to be really honest that's where it stems from but let's just um, pause there (laughs) yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: would you like to say more about that I
2: can I'm happy to I just uh I don't I'm just was going there uh, okay. let's go back to that let's get back to that uh a- anyway so I'm I don't retain very well actually my retention capacity is not great uh, so there came a point in time where I just was like but I love reading and I want to read books like I have a library in my home and it's my favorite room because it just feels like I feel so much smarter in here <laughs> like I just I'm a little bit closer to the answers of the universe having figured them out. And uh, yeah, so I, I just, I started to trust the fact that um, even if I can't retain everything I read, like it's, it, it was beginning to come up as needed, the, the content that would be like ingested somewhere into my psyche, you know?
1: I've just got this image in my head right now of like that scene in Beauty and the Beast where Belle is, like, on the ladder and she's just, like, riding the ladder past all of the books in the <laughs> library, except it's you on the ladder. <laughs> la- <laughs> that's me Wait, every if night.
0: Does, if that makes you Belle, every then night. is Sarah the Beast? Is that...
1: <laughs> oh, definitely <laughs> oh. not.
2: No? Okay. No, no, okay. absolutely not. Remember, the Beast absolutely actually not. has the yeah. bigger library. Um, so... Oh.
1: That's see true. This analogy okay.
0: track... <laughs> Way too deep into this.
2: All right. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, yeah. uh, so I just started uh, to help me remember things as well, recording in my notes app quotes. And if you've listened to Fathoms long enough, you know, I like to think in quotes because it's, it's kind of how I uh, process larger ideas within us, you know, just a sentence or a, you know a, a phrase from someone. It's also an easy way for me to hide behind other people's <laughs> things be, instead of mm. just communicating from myself. Uh, but that's besides the point. Yeah. So quotes. I just thought, you know, how fun would it be to do a series where I see a quote that, um, you know, that I've been recording that that really lines up in some way, probably about the kind of values that each type brings, but also the kind of work that it, it would represent in some way because I overdo this thing that I is so valuable to me um, and then expounding very briefly on it uh, I've been doing my best to to uh, make my posts a little bit more accessible and I have a history of making them quite inaccessible <laughs> just you know long or my wife is like I needed to read that 16 times before mm. I understood half of it so yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's where this this series came out of. It's just simply a quote for each type that I thought made sense with it and then two kind of small paragraphs. Great. That's what it is. So let's start. um, Let's just go through all the numbers and we'll
0: just comment comment on them as they go. Where would you like to start?
2: (laughs) I mean, we can start with one. That's what I did because numbers work like that. (laughs) Cool. So (laughs) let's start with one. Uh, Yeah.
0: So, as we go through these numbers, we're gonna be commenting on how those quotes hit us in our particular in our particular type strategy, right? Not that there's the whole we all have all the numbers within us, and it's like, yeah, but kind of not really. we're all we're using one strategy and then
2: adopting certain strategies to filter through our own. So so quote, the quote is. Not from anyone, actually, that we know of. Anonymous. Mm. And the quote is, if being hard on yourself worked, it would have worked by now.
0: Lindsay, how does how does a quote like that hit you coming from that two space?
1: Well, it makes me want to cry, obviously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Can you share a story or something that you feel like that quote applies to your life?
1: Mm. I don't know if there's a specific story, but I think that it, my experience of like motherhood and marriage has this really resonates because I put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect in those ways. And I know I'm not supposed to use that word because I'm a two, I'm not a one, but Mm -hmm. I think there is actually a lot of overlap there because it's like (laughs) a relational perfection. You know, like I want these relationships to be really meaningful and connected and um, Mm and so there's an ideal in my mind that i just i have to recognize that it's it's an ideal and it's not reality and, and consistently come back to this idea of of not putting so much pressure on myself to make um you know to make my life be a certain thing but just to appreciate what it is
0: mm. yeah that's interesting I, I mean it's it's interesting that all three of us have some level of connection to one, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for you and Abram, there's a, it's, it's one of the two wings that make up your type. And for me, it's a, it's a line. I see it for me just, and I've, I've said this before somewhere. Maybe it's online somewhere, but a lot of how this hits me is very much in the, um, in the shame category. Mm. And that shame is often for me a very, it's a fuel that burns really hot, but it's a really toxic fuel. And I can really shame myself into working super hard and putting a bunch of work into something, but then eventually it comes back and it bites me. And a lot of should language comes out of out of that, out of my connection to one. I should be doing this, I should be better at this, I should have known better, all of that. So that's kind of how I connect with that.
2: I'm just thinking about um, uh, just sort of the, the, there's been a teaching on like the flavoring of the inner critic voice for each of the types and, you know, this, the voice for the nine, uh, you know, cause the inner critic is, you know, this n- tends to be this more negative voice we have towards mm-hmm. ourselves. So it's a compilation of the voices we heard growing up, right. That just sort of reinforce how we're already predisposed to to interpret the world but the the nine is something along the lines of you know i'm good or okay if i'm at peace and other people are okay and not disrupted by me um so you know it would have worked i would be at peace if i could mm-hmm. just avoid harder you know the so you can i i i bet we can just translate each one of these like, i mean like we're doing right for and this is a way to i think even um yeah. If you, if you think of it through the nine lens, well, then I must be a one because this quote works for me. You know, it's just, you can read yourself into any of these, I think. Yeah. And then the uh, the second slide for, for each of them begins with the temptation is to believe. So for the type one, the temptation is to believe being right and responsible all the time will prove your integrity and that's how you'll be respected and accepted. And then they each start again with uh, kind of dropping down into your somatic experience to, to really get um, a little bit deeper or far or more behind your your uh you know your fixated thinking you know in, when you're stuck in in the automatic automatic uh experience of your type, so uh, then each of them starts with today find a moment to pause, take a deep breath, and see if you can relinquish a little control in trying to maintain impossible standards and ex- expectations for yourself and others practice allowing yourself to do something you really want to do instead of mm. just what you have mm-hmm. to do. Oof.
0: All right. Two. Lindsay, would you mind doing that one for
1: us? Yeah. When people don't feel wanted, they make themselves needed. Abermitte.
0: How does that hit you?
1: Uh, true. It <laughs> hits me true. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: hits me true. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool.
1: Uh, yeah I can think of, And of course, it's not conscious, but you can think of, I can think of ways that I have, you know, manufactured, not manufactured, what's the right word here? I think one of the gifts that I have as a two is to hone in on a potential area that somebody might have a need in. And I think that that is often a gift to people, but there are times when it, I don't realize that it is serving the purpose of making me feel needed, um, and securing mm-hmm. love for myself, and then testing, you know, testing those connections to see, or like pulling those strings to see, okay, who's still connected here? Like, who still needs me?
0: I, I posted this one of th- this one on my Instagram stories, and someone reached out and asked, which one's the good one? this person is a two. Mm -hmm. And I, it was, it took me a second to figure out how to articulate this because it's not wrong to want to feel wanted. Right. Um, and to do something in re in response or reaction to that. I don't know. Riff on that a little bit, Lindsay, how, Mm -hmm. how do you see those two things, putting your, putting yourself in a situation where you can serve others and do things for others in order to connect with them? Um, versus doing this out of a necessity
1: i think that i know i've said this before i just really think that there's sort of a hole a lot of times and twos of self-love and so all of this all of the work is really just spinning around that hole Hmm. you know and you're never going to fill it by spinning around it you have to like stare into the abyss and be like wow, I don't know if I love myself. I don't know if I want myself. And so for me, that's been really, really hard inner work. And I think that this past year was the first time I can say I actually enjoyed my own company. And that feeling of being Mm. alone and being (laughs) like, hey, I like me. I like being alone with me. I like experiencing (laughs) my own thoughts Mm. Um, and enjoying Mm. Myself, I think that that really changes the place that you come, that you, the place from which you move toward others. Remember, the other thing that I'm thinking here is too. I remember early on in my marriage, it was very trying time, as most you know early marriage seasons of life are. And this was before we had any enneagram knowledge or wisdom at all me as a two my husband is a four and he looked right at me one day and he said Lindsay, i don't need you i want you mm. and i i lost mm. it i came undone because wow. i didn't know what to do with that and it crushed a part of me mm. to have someone look me right in the eyes and say i don't need you <laughs> like
0: yeah
1: the mm. truth be told like we lose people in our lives and we find a way to go on. We find a way to continue on without them. And the truth that he was speaking to the, to me at that moment was something that my soul really needed to hear was that, you know, there there will be people who have the capacity to choose you and want you regardless of what you can do for them. So I know I kind of flipped mm. that question on its head mm. a little bit. I know I kind of didn't really answer it directly, but that's just kind of what this quote is making me think of.
2: Sure. Still really helpful. Yeah. Still really beautiful, helpful, valuable things in there. You said, um, if I'm looking at this from the nine perspective, it makes me think like I train people in a, in a way to forget me, to not see me. Um, it's just a skill set of mine because you know, the nine experience. So when I don't feel wanted, it's often my fault. Um, and so then what I do is read a book about mm-hmm. a topic so that I can, <laughs> so that I can, you know, feel like I am adequate enough to present myself when I'm like, cause I can't just show up, uh, without knowing about something I need to, if I do present myself, if I do partic- participate, I need to like be one of the smarter mm-hmm. people in the room around that topic is what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me think of um,
0: of another quote. Uh, I think I know her, her last name is Van Zant or Van Zant or something like that. Um, but she says, uh, you don't get to tell people how to love you. You see how they love you, then choose whether or not you want to participate. And for me, at least from this four space, right, the other connection line from four, how this shows up is making myself needed, but in a very unique way, in a distinct way, in a um, surprising way, so that I'm not just going to get someone the regular gift that they're expecting, like, I don't know, flowers or a candle or something like that, right? It's going to be well thought out, It's um, I'm, or I'm going to do something that is not just doing the dishes, it's, I don't know, doing something extra, something unexpected. Whenever I'm afraid of being a burden, whether mm-hmm. I'm staying at someone's house or something like that, I, I catch myself doing all these little things to make sure that I'm not rejected mm-hmm. on some level. I'm a uniquely great house guest. <laughs> because I clean and I'm really quiet, all those things. So that, that's, that's kind of how that hits me.
2: And then when the person you're staying, whose house you're staying at has a conversation with you, it's the most meaningful (laughs) deep conversation where they find themselves for the first time. Yeah. And people feel so just like seen and known and yeah.
0: And which there is a legitimate part Mm -hmm. of me, myself that just loves, loves doing that. And but there is some level of like getting people to lean on me for that sort of emotional support. There's a, there's a small part of me that recognizes that about myself, Mm. but every action is full of contradictions like that. Right?
2: Yeah. So the temptation to, is to believe that your worth is indispensable from others feeling loved and appreciated by you. Mm. (laughs) Today, find a moment to pause, take a deep breath, and see if you can relinquish a little of the compulsion to repress a need you have right now. And ask yourself, how can I give myself the care and attention that I feel compelled to give others? Drew? Aww. Well, I,
0: uh, Drew here, and, uh, (laughs) I need to work on my Drew? (laughs) Impersonation. <laughs> you would be
1: impersonations today.
0: Yeah. So, uh. What is he Minnesota? <laughs> he does, yeah, so a lot, actually. Does yeah. he?
1: Yeah. yeah. And right. you guys yeah. say for sure. Huh? And I say 100%. For sure.
0: 100%. For sure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. What if okay. you just like mix up and you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, 92%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if there's a hundred percent there's got to be a 92 percent. that's just how that works i'll try it out i'll see if it
1: feels authentic
0: (laughs) so uh three if you are humble this is by mother teresa if you are humble nothing will touch you neither praise nor disgrace because you know who you are
2: Mm. abram how does Mm -hmm. this hit you yeah it's interesting because, you know, from the nine space, if I'm humble, nothing will touch me. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Ideal. Like, I don't want too much attention on me. So I have, you know, this natural inclination toward a false humility, toward uh, dismissing and minimizing myself intensely so that, yeah, I, any affirmation is like, it's like uh, water on a duck, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it doesn't sink in. Mm. I don't allow it to affect me. Uh, so right off the bat, it's like, yeah, that's great. That's easy. That's uh, that's the best thing you should do <laughs> as a human being that's, you know, kind. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, praise nor disgrace. I just, both of those, all those are like, that's because none of those, <laughs> I'm nobody special. Uh, so none of, yeah, that works. That works for me. Mm-hmm. But I just see this as when you know who you are, you know that you have innate value. And so people's opinions of you, whether you're, whatever you're doing, whether it's successful, whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, minimal or, or nothing at all, um, you know, your value. Mm -hmm. And so nothing that people say about you can touch you Mm -hmm. is kind of the, what I read into that.
0: I think it's important to say what it's not saying is that you can't be affected by praise or disgrace, right? Right. It's you're going to feel great when you get a compliment and you're going to not feel great when you feel some sort of disgrace or shame or something like that. But it's, it's, that's, that's more on an egoic level, which we've talked about numerous times is not an inherently bad thing, right? It's just how we interface with the world. But the, the person that has the ego your worth doesn't change based on the praise or disgrace. You can experience Mm -hmm. those things, but your worth
2: does not change. Right. The human dignity and value Mm -hmm. you just have instilled at birth is not circumstantial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lindsay.
0: So this is on the other side of you. Mm -hmm. How do you see this showing up?
1: I think that there's sort of a, there's a loop for me as a two where it's like the, the affirmation and praise feeds the pride and if mm. I can keep that loop going, I can feel pretty good. <laughs> and when something disrupts that loop, then I I really can feel that pride rear its head and go, whoa, you thought that you really nailed it with that person and you didn't. Like, what was that yeah. all about? You need to do better about like you know but really it's just to be able to get that affirmation like that person is like yeah you're a good friend or yeah you really figured out what i needed thanks for being here for me you're my hero you know um mm. that loop can go on endlessly and so interrupting that loop with humility is is super mm. super healthy and healing
0: so this this speaks to me um being that it's on the other side of me right is I'm also, especially in the creative realm, the desire to be uniquely outstanding. And this is a gift, right? I I won't be releasing music until I am absolutely sure it's going to blow people's socks off. So that can be crippling, right? Because I'm always...
2: (laughs) Sorry. Just my... I just saw you going <gasps> to someone's socks. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's not what you meant, was it? No. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> and when
0: I'm, whenever I'm, I'm performing, right, the, I, if I don't feel like I did an outstanding performance, even if it was above average, right, and people enjoyed it, it still isn't good enough for me. Mm. Um, if I don't mm. feel like I uniquely, uniquely blew people's socks off right, <laughs> and that's kind of how that shows up for me. And so it's, so people can come up and say, you did great. I really loved it. I'm just, I'm just like, Oh, thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. But inside I'm just like, I really don't care what you think. Cause I think it mm. was
2: terrible. Mm. Um, oh, I think you're going to go the other way. No. And that, that's great. But I feel like I could see you doing the other way, too. I could absolutely go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the other one is what most people, what I was saying is probably what most people think. And then, but that's helpful to hear, I think, what you just said. Why? Like, if if somebody was to say that to me, if I wasn't sure about something, I would try and allow their information to reassure myself. Oh, well, somebody else thought it was great. Then Mm -hmm. it must be.
1: Maybe I shouldn't be too hard on myself. If it comes from the right
2: person. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) But again that
0: goes back to like the toxic shame if i think that i did
2: mm-hmm.
0: too well, right? Then i won't then like there's a belief that i won't keep pushing to be better.
2: Or what if everybody thought it was really great?
0: If everyone thought it was really great. It it, it it's still like that it it helps a little bit. It's like, "Oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it." But if i still felt like there is some sort of failing in within my performance, if i'm hearing the imperfections then it's like well i'm glad you enjoyed it but like you have no idea how much i i didn't do what i wanted to do
2: mm-hmm. um yeah but on the flip side of that i could see you you know people think what you did is it really sucks like you know well, that's what never happened is, nobody so, else's opinion um, doesn't right <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've had a few few moments like that and yeah know that yeah if I think it's good that that will still elicit like I don't if I think it's good I really don't care Mm -hmm. what, what that person thinks yeah so so the second slide for type three the temptation is to believe that who you are is the admired image you become to be affirmed by others today find a moment to pause take a deep breath and see if you can relinquish a little of the compulsion to produce more in the world to validate being impressive how can you expand your idea of valuable from something to manufacture or do to also a way of simply being just as you are All right, and I'm just gonna go ahead and take four here. Mm-hmm. Seth sent me this before he posted it, and I almost demanded that he changes change the background color because it just mm. it was too bright. <laughs> <That's> um.
2: <right. laughs> oh, and I remember thinking he's not gonna like yeah. this color. This but was too
1: bright. Too <laughs> this.
0: So yes, yes. Well, no. Okay, no. That was the changed. Um,
1: it was like gray.
2: Yeah, the original
0: one was. It was like pretty bright. blue oh. yeah, it was like baby blue. It's like what? Mm. So this one, Sherwin Williams would
1: color. not be pleased. <laughs> oh no.
0: So this is this quote for the four is from Alan Watts: "The mundane and the sacred are one in the same."
2: It sounds like something you would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. I you could have... have
2: just put yours there, and everybody would have believed it. Your name. <laughs>
0: i have many quotes that are in this similar vein either Mm -hmm. from me or from other people yeah wow okay this yeah this feels very true and it's only been in the past i don't know i want to say like five years that i've actually started to notice the increasing level of well truth to this but also how how often i get pulled off track so quickly. And that when I try to manufacture a unique, um, alive experience, a really special intentional experience that it often pulls further away from the thing that I'm trying to get right from trying to get to that sacred experience. I recently had, it's been, it's been a rough past 12 months lots of grief and processing. And and I had just been, you know, just doing my thing, sure, taking care of myself, but then holidays hit and then that's just a whole nother level of trying to get everything done and whatnot. And I realized that near the end of the holiday season that I had just completely not really spent time alone in the woods, which is the place where i'm actually able to do some really deep letting go so i went to this place up in michigan that is my woods and i will not tell you the name cuz it's my woods and it was it took me a really long time to finally settle into just presence i guess i did the i did the meditations i did all the things that i normally do it's just my head was still spinning, still tight, still foggy, and then finally things settled down. And I was walking through the woods. And if any of you have been in the Midwest in the winter, it's not all that pretty. I mean, if there's snow on the ground, it helps, but when it's just dead, everything's dead um, and gray. It's not that pretty. But there was there's a few moments where things finally. I felt like the scales fell off my eyes and I was able to see life again. I was able to look around me at all. (laughs) This like really kind of mundane scenery probably helped that it was golden hour, but Mm. just finally felt that sort of meeting of peace and beauty. And it was all in this very mundane landscape. And I just, that's, that's where I'm starting to try to find more places than in a magical place in the woods, right? How do I fold laundry and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and find some level of sacred presence there.
1: That's great. Thank you for sharing that by the way. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I really love to create special experiences for me and people I care about. So I love making memories And I love traditions. So a lot of my energy goes into these moments that we're all just going to love it and it's going to be this amazing memory and we're going to bond over it. Mm -hmm. And I often forget that deep relationships are forged in the mundane, (laughs) in the minutiae, just Mm -hmm. going through your life together. And I think that this is so applicable to the stage of life that I'm in right now because there are still a lot of special things but it's just hitting that it's hitting that flow and that space of life where it's like we're just doing our thing you know like kids are going to school mom and dad are going Mm -hmm. to work there's chores to do there's groceries to buy there's just a life to live and so um there aren't there isn't always time for me to just make bedtime super special and fun and magical Mm -hmm so that my kids, when they're adults, can be like, oh, mom always made bedtime so wonderful, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they might say mom yelled at bedtime sometimes, but that's okay because that's mundane and mm-hmm. it's it's still good and fine and, and part of life. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. where this shows up mm-hmm. for
2: me. I feel a deep connection to foreignness a lot of times, um, especially in like a lot of the work I've, I've done over the years of growing. Uh, it, it makes me think of... Uh, how David Benner talks about how transformation transcending the way we are initially formed is not about what you see, but how you see. Mm. He's talking about the lens through which we interpret, you know, so how thick is the lens uh, that, that initially we were formed with? How thick is that? Because that's how we're going to see, you uh, not mm. see things as they are, right? We see things as we are. So, yeah, I just think there's, there's uh, something about the lens of, of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, just this more natural inclination towards seeing through f- the falsity for the four. Yeah, things are actually so deeply beautiful just mm-hmm. as they are. There's so much to
0: be said just about this one quote. It, it just kind of infinitely yeah. applies to a lot of things. One other thing that just popped in my brain as you both were speaking is we label things mundane when our brain has stopped registering new sensations mm. and mm-hmm. I think I think it's Tara Brock or something like that where it's like you cannot love what you aren't discovering anew hmm yes and it's so easy to just get really focused on one thing which flow state is great right but when you're missing out on all the all the crazy sensations that's happening in your body watching your kids get ready for bed, nothing magical about that except that you have kids (laughs) and they're doing all these actions and there's connection and we're here and all those sort of things. It's pretty, it's pretty magical and sacred when you allow those sort of new sensations to arise and love and love it anew.
2: Yeah. And I think that that just reminds me of like, I think environments help with that sometimes too. Um, like I was, I had lunch with my kids at their school today and I've had, I have lunch with my kids most days, but there's something Mm -hmm. about being with them today at lunch that I just got choked up as they're with both of them. Just like this is my kid with both of them. Like this is seeing all the kids in this room and I'm with them and just watching how they interact Mm -hmm. I, I get it brings uh there's emotionality for me even just bringing it up like I see my kids more clearly not through not from a conceptual place not not from something I'm trying to manufacture to feel different or unique or whatever you know they just mm-hmm. already are because they're mine Lindsay what's coming up for you
1: that just hit or it just really no. hit <laughs> mm. it's really beautiful I don't know. Just just something about when you said oh god, I'm gonna do it again. Um you just said you you have kids. Like you have kids. The magic
2: that you have kids.
1: <laughs> Damn.
2: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's, there's something about Um, How we take advantage of what we get comfortable with and so used to, Mm. especially when it's got a a heartbeat. There's just moments, I think, of grief that come too, when you're like, oh, I could have been I should have been I wanted to be more present. Mm. But then that's also just a reminder of the gratitude of. But I have right now, and I'm going to do it. Right now. Uh, I can be. Yeah. Yes, I can be, yeah. And I can see what I wasn't, for some reason, seeing before, that, oh, my gosh, this little thing or this person, whatever, or this animal is the most unreal thing in my life, and I see it more clearly, mm-hmm. not through some concept. I, don't, I just can't think of a better word, but, yeah. I think just think there's moments when for some reason there's a veil that is taken away mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we see things more clearly. Yeah. I think there's something about foreignness that really represents how that sort of uh, process comes about. Well, we really got into that four space. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. So the temptation is to believe that to feel authentic, you must avoid what is commonplace to everyone else and be uniquely distinct and individuated. So today, find a moment to pause, take a deep breath, and see if you can relinquish a little of the compulsion to compare what's different and missing in you and to what others have. Mm -hmm. Practice allowing things within and around you to be exactly as they are without curating and intensifying emotions. Curating is a great word.
0: This I didn't intend for this to be a two-parter episode, but this is going to be a two-parter. We'll finish the circle next time around and uh, hit the five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Again, go visit Integrated Enneagram, take a look at these slides. Um, they're really, really great stuff. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms an Enneagram Podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.